Let's get Zach right on uh, right away. Okay, Zach, am I pronouncing your last name right? Is it Gandera? It's actually Gandera. Gandera. I'm so sorry. And I don't fault you at all because I just entered my 40s and I asked my parents and I just learned how to pronounce <laughs> my name like three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, you win. You win. Uh, Zach, we don't care about his last name, is the host of Losing Our Religion. It's a podcast, not a documentary. We just had the folks from Losing Our Religion uh, documentary on the line with us. And uh, now it's all about the Losing Our Religion podcast. The conversations most people only have in their heads. A former megachurch pastor leaves religion behind to rid himself of the exclusivity created by its dogmas and open himself up to learn from the lives stories and experiences of everyone else great to have you on the show losing our org is the website losing our org. not to be confused with losing our religion.ca that's the documentary this is the podcast.org zach let's go right to the most vitriolic piece of uh, literature you have received from anyone have you received hate mail or stuff like that <laughs> um yeah, absolutely. It, it it started, you know, when the show was early. I've now been doing the show now for two years. And early on, we got a lot of that. And now, now it's came down a bit, because I think the Christians that do listen understand what the goal of the show is and what we're doing. And uh, so the, the hate's pretty limited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. And I honestly don't remember. I don't remember the the most vitriolic, but I, I I have a great collective memory in that, so I can just keep moving. Sure. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a gift. Um, the second deep and probing question I have for you is: How do you feel about uh, you being followed up uh, with Kathy Lee Gifford, who's going to be interviewed right after you on the show? Does that make you? Uh, you does know, that make your t- your tummy churn a little bit? Or are you okay? I I actually love Kathy Lee and. <laughs> I grew up, you know, with her on television. Yep. Um, I, I love her. I love her. I love her husband. He was a big part of American sports here. So, and I think she's she's fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't. It, I, I, I'm I'm in my thirtieth week of of therapy, so it doesn't trigger any PTSD for me at all. Right. <laughs> right. Does your therapist start off each session with "Let it go, let it go." <laughs> No, not at all. Okay. We're just trying to get to the get to what the pain points are, so that I can then address them one by one. I'm going to read this <laughs> this uh, this sort of bio blurb from your site, and we're going to have uh, various stopping points. As a young child, my mom would catch me perched on top of the backyard fence, looking to the sky, moving my lips. Did you hit your head when you were a kid? What was that all about? <laughs> I was talking to God. I would, I would literally have moments where I was. I would be in the backyard or wherever I am and and communicating with God and Jesus was always what that meant for me then was, was Jesus. And, uh, I was just, it was just in there. I feel like I don't even feel like my parents necessarily indoctrinated me. I just, it was something I did. Yeah. Uh, after a failed baseball career, I went to college and got BAs in both theology and Christian leadership and then spent almost two decades leading inside religious corporations. <laughs> well said. Mm-hmm. During which time I suffered renal failure, spent two years as a dialysis patient, then became a recipient of a transplanted kidney from a dear friend. 
After almost dying, I began to center my focus on the teachings and life of Jesus, which quickly led me to become disillusioned with American institutional Christianity. Funny how that works. With this newfound distaste for institutional religion, desire to live like misfit Jesus, a passion for living within mixed community, and genuine life with those who believe differently than me. I gave up my lucrative American megachurch pastorship in an attempt to try to live the rest of my life how I see Jesus living his life in the scriptures. So, um, why isn't it that obvious to everybody else? Um, you know, my, my answer for that for years has been lack of suffering in the first world nations that we live in. Um, I, I don't know if that's the patented answer, if that's the general answer for everyone, but, but physical ailment and suffering led me to make some different conclusions. And I feel like it's a, it's a story for a lot of people. We had a listener recently that just contacted me last week that said, thank you for doing your show. I just lost my 14-year-old daughter, and I've stopped believing in God since that happened. Um, granted, I, I come from a different place. I, I'm not an atheist. I don't think I'm an agnostic. I'm somewhere in between, and... I I personally have just chosen not to label myself anymore because as soon as I label myself self and plant my flag, then I stop listening to everybody else. Yeah. And I want to live a life of growing and learning, you know. I think that's what the word disciple means, is learner. Wait, so you you think there's a God? Um Do you hope there's a God? Do you think there's a God or do you believe there's a God? I think there's I think there's a God. I believe in intelligent design. I just don't, I don't believe that God is as specific and is in need of labels as we are to give that to them. Okay, in your, considering, Zach, the trajectory of your journey, maybe you're just in that, that um, chicken manure stage <laughs> um, <laughs> where you can't really kind of come out and be totally uh, an unbeliever, so you're in that sort of agnostic middle ground, and eventually you'll, you'll just have the boys to be able to say, yeah, I don't believe. Maybe you're just in that middle ground. Has that thought process ever gone through your mind? <laughs> Uh, now you're triggering my PTSD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, that was the thing when I left, you know, the in- institutional religious corporation in America and decided to venture out what life looked like outside of it. That's the number one thing everybody says. They're like, oh, you're just swinging the pendulum over the other way. You'll come back this way at some point. Well, it's been seven years so far since I left in 2011, almost eight years. And I haven't gone back yet, and I used to fear, there's actually a couple episodes on, on the podcast where I'm talking with uh, a professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, whose realm of study and focus was religious deconversion. And I, I, I wrestled with her a little bit on that episode. Like, I do fear. I fear if I'm going to be an atheist. And, and she gave me some, some great stuff to help me kind of alleviate some of that fear. It's so interesting. I, t- I had a similar experience, a very similar experience where, and Tim, you'll, you'll dig this. Uh, okay. you know, many people uh, said to me, I think this is, it's like standing in line at a, at a casket. You don't really know what to say. And so inevitably, most people say something dopey like, yep. oh, were they sick? Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So right. was it but, something I ate? Well, yeah. But so, many people said to me, you know, it, it's okay. You're just going through a season and a phase. And, yeah, a phase, and you'll you'll come back. You know, the and the Lord will be waiting there for you, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. So they were trying to comfort me, but I just it still dripped with condescension as far as I was concerned. I think, I think Drew that they were trying to comfort themselves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's such a challenge when we live our lives under large controlling ideologies for a long time. And then when people, you know, leave those ideologies, we have to cope in a, in some way. And most of the time that way is just assuming that this other person is off or they're crazy or they've lost it or they're going to hell now. It's just easier for us to, you know, re you know, give ourselves the affirmation we want of the belief that we want everybody to have by by saying stuff like that. And it sucks. It's, I wish it wasn't so. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how do you make money? Do you have a real job? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I had a real job up until I started the podcast uh, two years ago. I actually started the podcast while I was a creative director for a consultancy firm that surprisingly enough, focused on corporate culture transformation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I I worked with this company for four years. Uh, The story goes, I was a pastor. I resigned being a pastor in 2011, August 2011. By October 2011, I was working in a punk rock dive bar in Seattle. So you were working at a what? I was working at a punk rock dive bar in Seattle. Okay. Uh, the, which which the I most, believe is also the same as Starbucks. There's one in every corner in Seattle. Is that right? <laughs> no, the, Starbucks is now the evil corp. Uh, right. they, they have joined the they have joined the ranks of of the uh, the coffee elite that actually produces horrible coffee. Here's a funny story for you. What I do for a living to pay the rent while doing the podcast is I drive rideshare in Seattle, Uber, Lyft, stuff like that. Nice. Uh, nice. So that pays that pays the rent. You know what? Um, if I was if I was to ever do the Uber thing, I would uh, yeah. I would buy a used hearse. <laughs> I love it. I Just love put it. a couple it of would never on the back, it, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, what were? Let's talk about people's reaction from you coming out from the tribe of certainty. People's reaction. Mm-hmm. For, let's start with your inner circle. Yeah. The because they're the ones. They're the things. That's the stuff that hurts the most. Right. Yeah, those, I mean, those closest to me, friends, family, everyone that knew me trusted me. So they, they, I never got a lot of concerns from, from friends and family and those that were close to me, even those Christians that were close to me, because they knew me, they trusted my judgment, they saw my character over the years. None of them, at least to my face or confrontation-wise, confronted me on being crazy. It was all of the people that were still involved in the institution or were looking from the outside and that didn't know me as a person that gave me all the flack. Why do you do the podcast? I know that there's the tagline and there's the promotional material and there's the about page, and I get that. But why why do you really do it, right? What's really behind it? And let me answer why I do my show first, and then I'll let you answer yours. One of the reasons that I do this show, continue to do this show is because I am just getting so rich. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I'm laughing instantly. Yes. (laughs) No, that is obviously not true because here's the bad thing. Here's the weird thing about trying to get advertising on this show. 
I'm too Jesus-y for normal people, and I'm too normal for Jesus-y people. And so it's like, well, I'm not sure we can advertise with you. Um, but there's the odd, there's the odd, and and when it's a good connection, it's a beautiful connection. Like, for example, Chapman's Ice Cream, they're a huge ice cream company, well, Canada's biggest ice cream company, and they're partnering with us. And it's just because they, I think what they see is the validity in the authenticity of what we do. So we have this sort of irreverent intentionality. Is that, Tim, are you okay with that phrase? Reverend irreverence. Irreverent, no, irreverent, inten- irreverent intentionality. So we are intentionally trying to sort of pull the curtain back on religion like they did in the scene of Wizard of Oz yep. and just say, okay, what's what's really here? Let's talk about the taboo things and let's really see what's behind it. And I want to know what gets people through the night. I don't give a holy grunt what you believe. I want to know why you believe it and how does it get you through the night? I'm fascinated with people's stories and journeys when it comes to uh, uh, believing in invisible stuff. It's amazing. So enthralling. So I'm personally, um, I struggle so hard to believe something that's invisible that I'm fascinated with how people do it. Okay, you go. Yeah, so I have this uncontrollable Gene Roddenberry-esque Star Trek idealism of the future of humanity. And that is that one day, maybe, we could all unify, we could all come together, we could all get along, and you can believe whatever you want to believe, and we could still coexist peacefully. And so the reason I do the show is an example of that. I have regular people on from everyday walks of life, from all over the world, really, that have different beliefs, and I sit down with them. We generally have cocktails, because I'm a drinker. Um, some would call a heavy one, some would call a light one. Uh, well, it all depends what part of Ireland you're from. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It depends on if my doctor's listening or not. Um, <laughs> or your proctologist. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I don't have one of those yet. I should probably get on that. Um, but but it's, it's fascinating to me, one of the most beautiful things that I've learned since leaving the institution and joining just, in, in other words, in a quest to live a life of normality, is that we all believe generally similar things. We just use different words and terminology to express those things. And for us to argue and be upset about how somebody else is expressing those beliefs or that faith or what we would think is lack of faith, which is a kind of faith, it's just not it's not helpful to any of us. Hmm. So I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an atheist. I don't even feel like I'm an agnostic. I'm somewhere in this middle ground of, I'm not anti-faith, but I'm strongly anti-religion. Right, right. I think faith is helpful. I think faith is beneficial. Whatever it is for that you, whatever that is for you, it is, is a wonderful thing. And it is helping you through life, but... I hope that Christians that listen to my show are able to engage with the stories of those that they would call the other and go, hmm, I'm not so different from them. Hmm. And I hope that everybody else that listens to the show finds it entertaining and fun and thought-provoking. Zach Gandara. Did I say Yeah, you got it. Gandara. (laughs) And Zach just learned how to say his last name this year. Uh, Host of Losing Our Religion podcast, Losing Our Religion podcast. The website is losingourreligion.org, not to be confused with losingourreligion.ca, and that's the documentary we just talked about. Uh, Zach, I get asked this all the time, but since I'm interviewing you, let me ask you, top three guests that have rocked your world. 
Wow. Um, I'll probably, we'll probably just have time for one and I'm going to, and he has a podcast called becoming or be a better man. His name's Alf Herigstad and Alf got a bit of notoriety because he was chosen to be on a Norwegian reality show called Altfordorg. I'm sorry, it's called and what? Altfordorg, and otherwise in English it's called All for Norway. Okay, got it. And and what they do is they bring, you know, uh, folks from, I think, America and Canada, North America, that have Norwegian descent. They bring them over to Norway, and they teach them of their Norse heritage. Well, Alf used to be a Christian, and now he's what's called is uh, uh, Asatru Gothi which is a heathen priest. Yep. So he went on the show and the all for all for all for Norway show. And he, he was, he got so much depth and felt so much pull to his Norwegian heritage that he took on that as his way of living and his way of thinking. And Alf invited me to their Hof and the place where they worship. And I got to experience uh, what's going on there. I asked him, he reads runestone. And I very nervously and sheepishly asked him to read my runestones on the program, and he did. Tim, do you know and what yes, that is? A Tim, do you know what that is? It's like it's type of writing, isn't it? It's uh, well, it's it's like it's kind of like tarot cards. Oh, okay. Then I'm not sure what it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, there is writing, there is symbology to it, but there's stones with the symbology onto it. And and I'm I'm, pro- I'm forgive me, Alf, if you ever hear this, or anyone that's in the the heathen way of life, I, you know, I, I, I can only give regurgitate what I, what I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was fascinating to me. I, they asked me to come to an annual Yule bloat, which is about this time last year where they do a ritual blood sacrifice of a lamb to the God. And I got to experience this. Uh, Alf lives on a farm that they're self-sustaining. They raise their own lambs and food. And as he slayed the lamb, he wept. And he's crying. They had named the lamb. The lamb was a part of the family. Oh, you're killing me um, with this here. Holy. Yeah. But then not only not only that, uh, the ritual of it was fantastic. At that time, the gods they were honoring were what I believe Thor and Freya. And so there's a lot of ritual behind it. But there's so much beautiful community behind it as well, because then they move into the hop where there's a long table. And they share mead from a ram's horn. And they, they each do a conversation around toasting the gods of the time and thanking those gods for the last year or the last quarter, as well as toasting their heritage, somebody who's now lost or gone or passed away. Mm-hmm. And it was very meaningful to see that community in form. It was very, it was very, I was just, in many ways, I'd hoped that regular churches Christian churches would operate in this manner mm-hmm. of community and sharing and welcoming each other's stories, and it was fantastic. How do we have this conversation without without just coming across like church bashers? Like, because the, the outsider could hear that, especially on a Christian radio station. You know, they might, oh, there goes Drew and his guests. They're just church bashing again. You know, and. You know, it's just, you know, he's not into church, but why does he have to bother? There's a lot of people, a lot of good people, Zach, a lot of good people go yeah. to church, man. Yeah. So why would got to be like this? For me, for me, that answer is, and number one, that's very difficult. It's difficult to come off, not as a church basher. But for me, that's meant still in, in working through whatever I need to internally work through to still have strong relationship and community with those that are involved in the church. 
And it's been a process over the last seven years. I think I've made great strides with that, especially strides in that, especially in the last year. And I've had friends that are involved in institutional Christianity that welcome me more so into their lives. And I've been open to that as well. And we have dialogue and conversation about why I'm living the way they, I am and why they are living the way they are. And just learning not to be triggered by it. it does, you know, it's just a choice of lifestyle. The greatest thing about the church is the community. The worst thing about the church is the control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I view, you know, the church as what I think Jesus viewed the church as, which doesn't make me right, doesn't make me better. It's just I look at the Scripture, and I look at the Old Testament and what they called Israel. Israel was a people, not a country. And in the New Testament, the church was a people, not an institution or an organization. Mm-hmm or anything. And that's how I look at it. The church is a people. And if and if a people if I can look at them as a people, then I'm I'm much better off welcoming them back into my life and having those conversations and relationships, which I hope we can all have one day. You know, that's a lovely segue into our next guest uh, because Kathy Lee has uh, is coming out with a book called The Rock, the Road and the Rabbi in March. And uh, she is in love with the Jewish people. She is in love with Israel. And uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about that in, in a little bit. My, just to, how we wrap this up, man, I don't know how to do this. Um, for a long time, I got so sick of the tribe uh, and the community because all I could see was tribal conditioning, tribal nuances, uh, tribal triggers. And uh, now I find myself at a stage in life where I'm a walking country song. I'm probably one of the loneliest people walking around on the planet right now. And it's because I isolated myself uh, from, from all, of the, all of the people I used to hang out with because all I was doing was ticking them off. And I knew it was, this is my, these are my issues. So I just need to pull away. But I do miss, I do miss certain aspects of being part of a community where there's a commonality and an understanding. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important. That's the number one need of a lot of the people that listen to my program. And I'm working on phrasing that in a way that's more, you know, palatable for all of them. But in my opinion, community exists everywhere. Yeah. And when we come from a church background, we have a hard time remembering that community exists everywhere. And what actually gave me community in the church is what will actually bring you community when you're outside of the church, which is serving with others, working with others, living alongside others. And community is what forms when you do that. (laughs) You know, you know, what's going to happen. I keep saying, I'll finish with this. Zach, you and I, uh, we need to hang out. Uh, I think, I think what's going to happen with me is I'm going to get kicked out of the hospital that I work at as a chaplain because I'm just going to start hanging out there every day. I'm going to find a cot, sleep somewhere because I get, I get more soul conditioning when I'm visiting someone who's dying. Yep. And it's not about me telling them stuff. It's about asking and listening and, and just being the honor it is to be with someone who's, who's on their way out is huge, yeah. huge. So I think that's going to be the if you hear if you ever hear about a creepy chaplain who's hiding out in the hospital like Tom Hanks did in the airport. What was that movie called where he was stuck uh, at the airport? Something terminal or Yeah, I can't remember, but anyway. Hey Zach, <laughs> dude, uh come to Canada. Come co-host with me sometime, will you? Get your butt up here. 
I can't wait. I can't wait. we got to make it happen. Zach Gandara, he is the host of Losing Our Religion podcast, the conversations most people only have in their heads. Now you know why you got to go to this, this podcast. Follow them. LosingOurReligion.org. That's the website. LosingOurReligion.org. Man, I like this guy. Zach, thanks, thanks, for, thanks for talking, dude. Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me come on and chat with you and meet you, and I'm going to you know tune in and listen to Kathy Lee. I love her. All right. We'll get to her right away. See you, Zach. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.